0: Um This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.TV or check them on Twitter at Clip it TV. Michael Kist. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a And Benjamin Solak. How
1: old are you?
0: It's the Kist and Solak Show.
1: Did we just become best friends? Yep.
0: Right here on BGN Radio. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak show, your home for the best Eagles analysis in the business. This is episode five and is brought to you by the fine folks over at BGN radio. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my ex-snow work for inside the pylon.com. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Seven Year Streak without a bad day. He is Benjamin Solak. Go. Bl- Green Nation and Scouting.com is where he does his fantastic draft work. You can follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother?
1: Oh, every day is a good day to be alive, Mike. Thank you for asking. I am uh, snugly warm in my official Super Bowl 52 Philadelphia that. Eagles uh, Super Bowl champion hoodie, which is exciting, especially it arrives today where we're recording on Thursday. Yesterday on campus, I saw a kid wearing a Patriots Super Bowl 51 championship hoodie and I was like oh you're so lucky you son of a gun and now that I have it I have to wear it every day until I find him again and then hope he's wearing the, the hoodie on that day just so I can look at him. (laughs) In <laughs> his sadness and in his pain. But yeah, no, that's, that, that's what's going on with me today, man.
0: I love it. I've just been cruising the Twitter timeline watching uh, Chris B. Brown from Smart Football. Chris B. Brown. Chris B. Brown just destroyed Greg Gabriel, the former Chicago Bears scout. That was amazing. Hey, guys, if you want a good resource, this seems like a good day. I, I, no free ads, but yep. I love Chris Brown so much. Google Chris B. Brown, buy his books, The Essential Smart Football and The Art of Smart Football. When I really started getting getting into dissecting the game at another level, those two books along with Keep Your Eye Off the Ball by Pat Kerwin – Pro Football Scouting Methods by Steve Belichick, Bill Belichick's dad, were some of my key purchases and really helped me along my path. So go check that out. Moving on to the topic of today, we are going to be talking about some newly minted free agents, some guys that got cut, some guys that may get traded. But first, there is news out of Dallas. Ben, have you seen this?
1: Oh, right. Absolutely. So we have currently uh Demarcus Lawrence, uh, who's in edge, in defensive end for the Cowboys. I believe he led the league in sacks this year, if I'm not mistaken, Mike. Hmm. DeMarcus Lawrence, a free agent, thinking uh, the, the the word is that he has asked Dallas for a $17 million per year deal. That's what he would like as far as a long-term deal. It's well believed that if Dallas is not able to sign him, that they will tender him to the franchise tag. Well, Mike, $17 million per year. What are you selling or are you buying? Oh, man. I mean, we, we got to kind of unpack
0: this first before we get into it, and even if they franchise tag him. So, but what, what he's asking for is Olivier Vernon money, which is $17 million. Him and his buddy JPP make a combined $34.5 million this year, even though the Giants ranked 29th in sacks. That's neither here nor there. That's not what we're here to wow. talk about. Wow. <laughs> So Tom Pelicero is saying that Lawrence is asking for Vernon money. wants to be the highest paid defensive end pretty much. Look, Lawrence had a breakout year. Like you said, led the league in sacks. 72 pressures according to Pro Football Focus. Puts him at the top of edge defenders for their pass rush productivity metric. Extremely active year for him. But this is a lot of bread to shell out for one year of production. And like I said, even if they franchise tag him, it's still 17.5 mil. So the first three years of Lawrence's career, he had a combined nine sacks. His rookie year, he fractured his foot. Then after 2015, he had back surgery. He was suspended for four games before the 2016 season, which was a PED violation and had a second back surgery before the 2017 season. Then again, there's a lot to unpack here. Is this a case of a contract year player seeking contract year money to cash in before his back issues start to catch up on him? Do you think he's a one year wonder? Do you think he's worth $17 million when he's one amino acid away from a 10 game suspension? Not unlike Lane Johnson. Do you pull the trigger if you're Dallas or do you let him walk? I think at the very least you have to tag him and hang on to him that way. If they can't get a deal done, which is looking like they're not going to be able to do, but what, what's, what's your move after that? Is he worth that type of money to you? Like this is amazing because it puts Dallas in a pretty bad spot. Which I'm always a fan of.
1: Right. That's always good news. I'll tell you this. Nobody should know better about D-Law's back injuries or potential back issues than Dallas does. And if they feel okay with it, then yeah, 17 million per year or a four-year deal to me makes, I, I, I'd be running to that. I'll put it to you that way. Franchise tag is going to be almost 20 million. For an edge. Oh, is it? It's going to be 19. Yeah. It's going to be 19 and change from what I, from what I understand. That's what I would anticipate being the franchise. Maybe 19, 2, mm. right? So, so that's over 2 million extra you'd be spending on this year. And then you got to do the whole process again. 17 million per four years. I think is a fantastic deal for Dallas, especially when you look at the rest of that line, Mike. It's not like they have significant money put in that line right now. It's a ton of guys on rookie contracts and a lot of poor talent, right? So, it's not even like rookie contracts who are playing well. It's Taco Charlton or Randy Gregory and Malik Collins and guys who are kind of giving you something but not really David Irving. Dallas is so far behind the curve, the curve that is good NFL teams having good edge rushers. Mm -hmm. They've been behind it for like two, three years. Since DeMarcus Ware left, they haven't been able to figure it out. I, You can't let him get away either this year or next year to me. And if you're not going to do it, you might as well sign him now before the market continues to re-up and the cap continues to rise, et cetera, et cetera. I, when, I'll put it this way. The, when I saw that 17 million, I said, we got to talk about this because I think D-Law could push higher. Yeah. I think he's Camp Kupashar and he's asking for 17 mil. He's probably going to get less than 17 mil. You know what I'm saying? So to me, I think that's a great deal for the Cowboys. And I would expect that they sign him to that long term.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if that 17 mil figure is reflected of what he wants this year. And then it escalates along with the cap, which goes up. For instance, Olivier Vernon is going to get 17 mil this year. It bumps up to 19.5 mil in his next year of his contract, 19.5 million right. the year after that. So that, that's part of it. Personally, I, I think for the type of production that he got this year, if he can replicate that, then yes, that's a fantastic deal for them. He was one of the most disruptive guys in the league for me. And like you said, with the back issues, the Cowboys are going to know more about that, but it is concerning that he's had two back surgeries and back injuries, man. Those are a killer. In the NFL for a guy that's got to bend and take on all that contact and uncoil his hips all the time. It's just, what if he takes an amino acid and he's out 10 games? Now you're spending $17 million on a guy you can't even, you can't even play. And that's one more away from
1: what's Philadelphia's contract with Lane Johnson again, right? How much is Philly playing Lane right now? About 12 million this year, 13 million next year. He could be gone for two years at a suspension,
0: but there's a contingency in that contract. Do you think Dallas would try to put a contingency? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So they may have to put that contingency in there as well, and maybe that would kind of make the deal better for them as far as paying him that kind of money. So that, that's a good point too. Right. All right. So how do we? How do we feel? Are we buying or selling?
1: I'm buying. I'm buying quick and I'm buying hard at 17 million.
0: <laughs> if it's at 17 million, I think I'm buying with you too, despite all those issues, because like you said, they haven't been able to fix until last year their pass rushing issues. Lawrence is an answer. Uh, they invested in Taco Charlton on his rookie deal. They don't have a whole lot of money tied up in that position. Like I said, you look at teams like New York; they have a lot. more more money tied up in that position not getting nearly the type that type of production it's a premium position we'll say this all the time but quarterback offensive tackle and edge rusher the three most important positions in the nfl i fully ascribe to the theory that you want people that either throw from or affect seven yards behind the line of scrimmage where the ball is being passed so i'm with you there it's 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 a big time Mm -hmm. you know you, you can spend bread in that position speaking of spending bread some teams saved some bread this year some newly minted free agents the first one that I saw was Tampa Bay running back, Doug Martin. The Buccaneers saved $6.75 million with zero dead money. Makes a ton of sense for them. Needing a clear yeah. starter at running back, even still, it makes sense for them. I mean, the guy got benched for Peyton Barber and was hashtag not good this year. His career has been up and down lately. It's been so far on the downside lately. I don't think there would be any interest in... From the Eagles, even though he'd probably come up cheap and try to bet on himself on a one year contract, prove it type of deal. And he adds to a free agency list that could possibly include names like Le'Veon Bell. Carlos Hyde's right. going to be out there. Deion Lewis is going to be out there. Jarek McKinnon's going to be out there, who I think, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet either. Guys like Isaiah Crowell. Do you have any interest in Martin or any of the guys on that list if running back? which I know you don't think is a need for the Eagles, but let's just say, would any of them be a fit?
1: Yeah, so you remember that one time where I was like, the Eagles shouldn't add a running back in free agency? Oh, boy. You could, okay, I'll put it this way. Martin does kind of interest me, right? And and it's very important to know, I don't think Philadelphia should try to enter for a running back in free agency. That should not be a priority. I'll say it again. I'll probably say it a thousand times before the season kicks off. The Eagles have four running backs under rookie contracts and they get good production out of two of them. That's great. You know, you maybe be able to get good production out of a third in Dell Pumphrey because you don't know what you really have there because he got injured. Mm-hmm. And then Wendell Smallwood is a guy who has starting experience. He's not total garbage, you know, whatever. That being said, Doug Martin is still on the correct side of 30. He's 29 years old. Right. Martin can be a guy that I think very much like LeGarrette Blunt, you can bring him in and he can provide for you not Blunt-esque physicality, but still I think a, a nature on power runs that you don't necessarily get from an Anjaye, right, who we know can dance a little bit too much on power style of runs. Mm. Martin also depends Depending on the contract to which you sign him can be a guy who gives you a little bit of flexibility and a little bit of uh, leverage when it comes to negotiating with Jay Ajayi when Ajayi's contract ends uh, after this upcoming season. If you bring in a guy like, I don't know, a a Crowell you know, or a, a Hyde. I don't think they give you, maybe Hyde does. I don't think they give you as much of a, you know, a giant, we can move on from you and be fine with this guy back here as much as Doug Martin does. Cause Martin is like a good running back. Right. Martin has skill. Now he was never able to really, he had one good year in Tampa and then it kind of fell off the rails, right? So maybe I'm kicking the tires on him. If I am, it's a one, maybe two year deal, a one year deal with a second year option. And it's incredibly cheap because right. I do not have money to be putting into the running back position right now. But I will say that, yeah, before the season, you know, before this past season, when I was looking at potential guys who could hit the market for running backs because Philadelphia needed one. Martin was a guy who I said, OK, he's probably going to be out of Tampa. And he interests me. Then, of course, the Eagles trade for a Giant that changes things. I've always liked Martin. I think there's something you can uncover there. Philadelphia wants to kick the tires. It better be cheap. and I'm down.
0: Two names that I'm looking at in this list that interest me from a zone running perspective, Alfred Morris, Terrence West. Terrence West, I'm not a big fan of, but I do think he excels a lot more in zone running schemes. Mm-hmm. I watched him over the sunny for the uh, summer for the scouting academy. I liked him better on outside of zone running plays. Any interest in those two guys? Alfred Morris came into the league like a freaking storm and played pretty well for the Cowboys last year and fill in duty for Zeke.
1: Alfred Morris was more effective than Ezekiel Elliott last year. Yep. Just from a, a numerical perspective. Like yep. that's the reality. Now Zeke spent more time playing without Teron Smith, their left tackle. So that tells you how the running game works, kind of that little anecdote right there to the extent to which you can trust it. But I like Alfmo, right? That's another guy that would certainly interest me. I think a team that's more in desperate need of a 15 carry guy should go out and get Alfred Morris. Me too. When he left Washington, That was the perfect example of uh, a player leaving a team that was badly coached and then badly managed from the front office. Mm. And there's just all sorts of badness around it. So, the player felt toxic. He goes and gets picked up on a premium or excuse me, on a discount, on a discount by Dallas. And then he's very productive for them. He's very helpful for them. I don't know whether or not they'll keep him, you know, whether or not they'll make that push, depending on where else they're allocating their money and how much they trust Zeke. And they've got Rod Smith behind, obviously, Darren McFadden as well. But Alfred Morris is a guy who I think should step back into at least a 1B sort of role somewhere. That's not going to be in Philadelphia. If he labors on the market, if nobody goes to buy, Mm. then yeah, again, you kick the tires, but it's got to be cheap.
0: I would agree there. Speaking of toxic environments. Marcus Peters has been rumored to be on the trade block for the Kansas City Chiefs. I just saw this article today by some New York media outlet saying that should the Giants trade Eli Apple for Marcus Peters. Number one, you're crazy. That trade is never going to happen. No one wants Eli Apple right now. Number two, you're going to have to give a lot more than that. Anyway, Marcus Peters, possibly on the trade block. You got to keep him in Kansas City, don't you? That defense cannot take that type of hit, losing him. I don't care what you get in return because it's not going to be a first-round pick. I don't care if he craps on Andy Reid's desk every morning. You had the cleaning crew come in an hour early and take care of it. Like, that's the type of situation <laughs> you're dealing with.
1: I'll put it to you this way. All right, can you name five corners in the NFL better than Marcus Peters? Peterson right I'll get I'll give you I'll give you like the five like quote unquote top corners and if you think of another one you can disagree Richard Sherman Mm. Patrick Peterson Jalen Ramsey Casey Hayward Marcus Peters rank those five
0: I mean yeah Peters is in the discussion with Casey Hayward I think he's better than Hayward even though I really like Hayward's game I I would put him right you know in that Richard Sherman coming off the Achilles injury I mean that kind of disqualifies him right there because he's not going to be full health coming into the season So right now, healthy guys, Peters might crack my top. I should throw
1: I should throw Xavier Rhodes in there. Minnesota Twitter's gonna kill me. Yeah. Because I okay, so I said in the beginning of the season, and I still hold by this, by the way, that Marcus Peters was a better corner than Xavier Rhodes, and Minnesota got furious with me. Which Xavier Rhodes is in my mold. I love big long, physically disruptive Mm. corners. I prefer them to mirror quickness down the field, right? Like I had Quincy Wilson, cornerback one in the last class over Marshawn Lattimore. And I still feel okay with that. The Colts won't freaking play him, even though he's wonderful when he's on the field.
0: I was high with on Wilson too, yeah. (laughs) I'll
1: I'll tell you this. For me, you know, those rankings, Patrick Peterson's going to be number one. I have Casey Hayward probably number two. And then to me, Marcus Peters is number three above a guy like Jalen Ramsey and above a Richard Sherman. Mm. Marcus Peters, I think, has the best instincts of any corner in the NFL. Hmm. And I talk about this with corner evaluation a lot. Corner is the one position where we evaluate you on your ability to not make bad plays or how Infrequently, you make bad plays. Almost every other position, we want how many times you make a good play? Mm. We're, we're, we're interested in your highlights. Whereas for corners, if you, if you pay attention and, and you're kind of in the, in the community, like, like I, I like to think that I am, you know, working draft full time, you notice that the way people talk about corner play isn't look at this amazing play, look at this, look at that. Sometimes it's a highlight, real interception, but usually it's Look at their ability to avoid bad plays. Look at how they avoid messing up, right? Marcus Peters is never going to be good from that metric because he's an incredibly aggressive risk taker. Another guy who wouldn't be good by that metric is like Asante Samuel, Hmm. who was like a perennial pro bowler. But if you measure him in that way, he's not going to be good because he makes mistakes and he's aggressive. Marcus Peters is instinctual. He loves to play with his eyes in the backfield. It's absolutely going to burn him at times. That being said, he makes plays that no other corner in the NFL makes. He is a... Playmaking generator. And I'll tell you, Mike, one interception in a, in game script, in game flow, like expected value return is worth like 150 yards. Yeah. That's a random number. It's arbitrary. I don't know. Maybe it's (laughs) 89. Whatever. It's worth like, I, I will gladly give up four. 10-yard completions, if you're going to get me a pick that nobody else is going to get, yeah. right? Because that's a game-changing play. So, that's why I really love Marcus Peters. If Kansas City feels like they can move on from him because Kendall Fuller is now in the...
0: They don't even technically play the same position. Kendall Fuller is a slot guy. Peters is going to play on the outside and they have no other outside quarterback. It's crazy. It's crazy right. to Like they,
1: Their outside corner, like CP2, was a huge problem. Like, when yeah. Kansas City got really bad in the back half of the season when they were really struggling, the biggest issue was communication in the secondary because they could not lock down who their second corner was. Now they want to get rid of the first corner. <laughs> what? Right? I. It would have to be an unworldly offer for me to unload Marcus Peters. End of story.
0: 100% agree on that. No matter where you rank him, Marcus Peters is a darn good cornerback. He's a playmaker. You just don't let guys like that walk. Speaking of letting guys walk, I am hitting the transitions hard today, Ben.
1: Yeah, dude. Three for three i I'm speaking of. <laughs>
0: So the Bears cleared $8 million or declined the $8 million option on guard Josh Sitton. And really, outside of the Panthers, Andrew Norwell, he is going to be the most sought-after free agent guard in this pool. I studied the Bears' offense during the season to get a look at what they had uh, when they were going to play the Eagles. And I'll tell you, pass protection, zone runs, Sitton flashed big time. Really solid player. Uh, unfortunately comes at too big of a price tag for Philadelphia. Just wouldn't make sense with Wisniewski under contract for two more years, But Brandon Brooks on the other side, plus Sitton's 31, so it's not like we'd be getting younger at the position either. He's the type of scheme fit you look for, though, if we're talking about the types of players that would fit what Philadelphia does. Chicago ran a bit more zone than the Eagles, with either inside or outside zone. 72% of their rushing attempts came from inside or outside zone. The Eagles ran at 57% of the time, which is right in line with league average. But the Eagles ran traps. More than any other team in the league too, and averaged a pretty robust 7.3 yards per carry using those traps and whams. There's just so much variety in our running attack, Ben. Uh, but they yeah. are primarily a zone team. Anyway, I digress. I just wanted to talk about how awesome the Eagles running game was, uh, because it was so <laughs> doggone good. Did I mention that they led the league in yards after contact and missed tackles for us, Ben? This running attack.
1: Which is amazing because you have such a good offensive line and then your running backs <laughs> are the best in the league after they eventually get hit. You do yeah. they, It's not as if one aspect of the Russian game is both, and it's amazing. Yeah,
0: it's incredible. Variety, blocking, making guys miss. Ben, getting back on topic here, offensive guard seems like a luxury if they're looking for an upgrade, but I don't think Chance Wormack is on the roster next year. Who knows Ciamalo's future? But if he has one, it's definitely inside. And while I have a lot of faith in Stoutland, I still feel like this is something that we could attack for depth either in free agency or with a cheap guy or on the draft on day three, what say you?
1: Sitting, interesting. I think that Sittin' declined by Chicago. I, I would imagine Chicago is trying to get younger. Yeah. Right? Because to me, sitting is a starter yep. in this league. To me, sitting is a starting left guard. Very and good there one. are currently teams. Yeah. there are currently teams who do not, who, who need a starting left guard. Philadelphia is not one of them. Right. And sitting is a guy that absolutely could be effective in Philadelphia's scheme. I would have to imagine. Yeah, it would require at least Warmack being cut, which Warmack right now contract wise, a little bit under 2 million of a cap hit. Dead cap would be a little bit under a 1000000 875k. So you're, you're saving 60% of the contract to kill 40% of it. It's point. not a great, it's not a great ratio. And then you would also be implying that you're massively improving over a guy like Steven Wisniewski, right. which I don't think that you are necessarily. So no, I don't think, I don't foresee sitting making it to Philadelphia. That being said, Sitting, wonderful in, in in Green Bay and Green Bay is in desperate need of interior offensive line. To me, Sitting heading back to Green Bay makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you got to be careful. I believe Sitton's 32. Is that how old that he is? You know, and you got to you have to watch out for these older offensive linemen who hit the market. But you would imagine Green Bay is very familiar with his medicals. And you would imagine they're very familiar with him as a person. And so you can bring him in. I think that'd be a friendly negotiation. I would expect him to go to Green Bay. To me, that makes too much sense. But yeah, Sin's a good player.
0: Yeah, he's an excellent player. He really popped on film for me when I watched him. So we'll, we'll see. And uh, let's take a quick look at some of maybe, maybe the other guards that we could be talking about here in free agency. Norwell's too much. Uh, Richburg's too much. Muhort, Klein. Fusco. Sullivan. Slawson, Spencer. These names. Don't excite me whatsoever. I don't know about you. I'd rather grab a guard like a Skylar Phillips later in the draft if, if I'm the Eagles.
1: Said that Idaho State kid? Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Day three in the draft would be the place to be as far as depth goes. Would you, quick question, would you agree with that?
1: Oh, 100%. I think the only way Philadelphia adds guard sort of a player is if warm gets cut. I'm very down with if Philadelphia is able to recoup some day two picks and they have a little bit more moo, a little bit more room. Jason Kelsey's getting old. And Jason Kelsey runs this place. Obviously <laughs> after that speech, he runs this place. But even before that, I mean, he, again, like, you know, we, we saw it every week making blocks that human beings don't make, that centers do not make. Incredible mobility. And so it would cost a pretty penny, but you could see Philadelphia going to acquire the the Jason Kelsey of the future, to go ahead and get a center moving forward because Kelsey's getting old and he's getting expensive. I don't think they'll move off from him anytime soon, but that's something that's got to be on Philadelphia's radar for the next couple of years. That's the only way I see them going interior offensive line.
0: What, what about this? Let me throw this scenario out there. We'll, we'll tie it in with the yeah, draft. That- so the other day I asked you about edge rusher. If one of the edge rushers fell, who would you run to the podium for? You said Harold Landry from Boston College. I completely agree with that. I love Landry. What if somebody like a Billy Price or a James Daniels, who I, th- I think both of them fit in his own scheme. I think Price has a better transition to guard in him than Daniels does. But what if Billy Price from Ohio State or a James Daniels falls to the Eagles at 32? Are you running to the podium for either of those guys?
1: With the current picks that Philadelphia has, no. Because that's too much of a luxury yeah. to me. You know what right. I'm saying? I mean, Billy Price and, and, and James Daniels is my center three, but he's still a very good player. Frank Ragnall is my center number two, but that's a power scheme sort of a player. Ragnall right. could probably survive in his own situation out of Arkansas, this kid. Uh, but he's an exceptional talent. I love him in a power scheme. I love Frank Ragnall, but Billy Price is my center number one. He might end up being a top 15 player for me, Mike. Mm. I was watching him a little bit today against Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. Jiminy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> There's, he's not bad at anything. Like, right. there's, like this is the classic sort of interior offensive line guy who started at a premier university for four years and he's just not bad at anything. Mm. He's just good to great at almost every facet and it's annoying and amazing, right? But to me, you would need to – Philadelphia would need to definitely have day two picks behind that 32 overall to justify spending it on, on a luxury like yeah. that. You know what I'm
0: saying? Yeah. I 100% agree with that. We'll, we'll see what the future holds as far as our picks go, but that, those are some interesting names to me. They, they fit what we do. Okay. Two more cuts before we get out of here. And they're from the linebacker position. And you know that we Good. may need linebacker at the very least may need depth. The Houston Texans cut linebacker Brian Cushing. This is a no-brainer cut. Dude can't stay healthy, can't stay off the gas, allegedly. He's torn multiple ligaments. Huh. Uh, hasn't been nearly as effective on the field in the past few years when he's been on it. This is the type of guy I'd rather stay away from. Chicago Bears cut Jarrell Freeman. The cut for the Bears saves 3.5 mil. He's an interesting one for me. On the field, the guy is excellent. I love his game. He's the complete package type of guy. Great in coverage, great against the run, but he's coming off a torn pec and a nasty concussion. Uh, a concussion that he says has given a memory loss, which is a huge concern, not only for the team looking to sign him, but also just for Freeman as a person in the real world. Then you have to factor in his two league violations for PEDs. The last one was for 10 games. Two of those games would have to be served in the beginning of the 2018 season. So you're already missing out on some production there. Ben, not only do you have to clear this guy medically, uh, but you have to know that you're living on a razor's edge with the PED suspensions too and taking those two games on as well. It's a shame because, like I said, complete three down backer has great range, coverage against the run. That's perfect for the modern age offenses that he'll be going against. How would you feel about at least bringing him in for a checkup?
1: I'm very, I would very much like for them to bring him in for a checkup. And if, especially if you don't intend on bringing Danelle Elderby back as our veteran kind of inside linebacker plotter sort of a dude, then, yeah, I think Jarrell Freeman is the immediate go-to. Yeah. Firstly, so missing the first two games of 2018. Well, let's assume Jordan Hicks can't get injured in the first two games. Let's hope that he's <laughs> able to he like... Usually, it takes him to like week eight, week nine. Right, so, right, let's right. hope it Six, takes him yeah. that long. And so, we don't got to worry about that as much. Freeman is a guy who I think he is a natural inside linebacker. But I think you could play him at will or Sam in a pinch. It's less than ideal, but I think you could get him off of those lines. just because he is, like, he's at excellent range. He's a great mover. And so you're at a point where you bring him in. He's your, your, your middle linebacking depth. Obviously you want that to be a guy like Joe Walker, but I think Freeman is an instant upgrade over Walker and you know your linebacking core is, is, uh A little touch and go. It's a little, you know, uh, oft injured for Jordan mm-hmm. Hicks. But even then, let's say, God forbid, you have an injury to Michael Kendricks, to Nigel Bradham. I think Freeman can be your fourth linebacker who slides into that spot. You would have to finick with your scheme a little bit to make him not, you know, get into tricky situations where he's uncomfortable, but you could pull that off, yeah, right? And so, I think that he has a lot of value in that way. And of course, Whenever we have these oft-injured players, when you bring him in and he's not a starter, he's not taking nearly the reps that he did, that can help. That really can, in a big way, just, you know, it, it you don't uh, incur the wear and tear that you do playing 16 game seasons year after year after oh. year. You're just taking, you know, 50, 75% fewer snaps, which is huge. And so, I very much, uh, of all the current guys we know are going to hit the market, Jarrell Freeman is my number one target. That's a position of need. That's a guy with starter ability who's going to come to you pretty cheap. So, I like Jarrell Freeman a lot.
0: Do you have him over Avery Williamson, the Titans linebacker?
1: At his price, yeah. Okay. Because I think Williamson's going to... Uh, Make a lot and obviously he's a younger sort of a guy. I think Williamson becomes a a higher target in the event that Bradham walks, but in the event that Bradham remains, then yeah Jarrell Freeman is the guy you're looking at.
0: What about Navarro Bowman? you feel like kicking the tires on him
1: Oakland, right? yeah, yeah. Navarro kind of reminds me of when Philadelphia brought in D'Amico Ryans, right right a very athletically limited sort of a guy, but he would give you huge intangibles just in a leadership perspective, mm. and then uh you know savvy great production. The thing with that to me is. Philadelphia does not nearly need the defensive leadership that they once did. Uh, that's, that's you know, D'Amico Ryan's kind of filled a vacuum. Now, even when Jordan Hicks is out, uh, you know, Malcolm Jenkins has stepped up massively in that regard. Even a guy like Jalen Mills and then uh, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. You have so many playmakers on that defense that you would call leaders. And then Bradham has experience as a signal caller now uh, in the absence of Jordan Hicks. So I don't think you need that intangible aspect of it as much. And then Bowman, Freeman is kind of old and kind of banged up. Bar- Bowman is like very old. Yeah. And has been banged up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I love Navarro Bowman as a player. I think he had an incredible career. If you were to spend some time in Eagle uniform, that'd be fun. Hmm. But I would definitely look at Freeman long and hard before I turn to a guy like Bowman.
0: Yeah, Navarro, this is my plea to you, man. Come get yourself a ring in Philadelphia. Come uh be around a bunch of yeah. great a bunch of great human beings like we have on this defense. That'd be uh that would that would be cool. Ben, all right. I think we went through all the cuts from this week, some of the major news as well. Do we have anything else for the gentle Gentle listeners,
1: uh, howdy, gentle listeners. I think then the Eagles also sign a defensive tackle. Some uh, like they brought in a guy off futures, or whatever. Eagles signed a defensive tackle.
0: I was going to say, are you talking about Taylor Hart because you know he's playing tackle for us, but oh. he was a defensive lineman. But there is another defensive tackle that that we signed. I really don't know his name, and I don't think we're ever going to hear it. To be honest with you,
1: no, it's like Wilkes or something. But anyway, <laughs> that's a huge move. We'll spend the entire Monday episode breaking that down. <laughs> no, uh, this has been the Kissed and Solak Show. I am Benjamin. Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. That's in Michael Kist on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. And we do appreciate, appreciate you listening so much here to episode five. Uh, next week, we are prepping for the Combine Mike. It begins on Friday, March 2nd, so you are getting a full week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, of Combine episodes. Who we expect to impress, who we expect to do the opposite of impress, which is very sad, who's got to do work medical rechecks, who's got big interviews, all these sorts of ideas. Uh, John Barshard of Green, Green Nation Radio will be on location in Indianapolis for that. So we might be able to get a better feel for who exactly Philadelphia is speaking to. That'll be all of next week. So thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you're back with us then. We all we got. We all we need. Fly Eagles fly. Stretch your hands and I'm going to chop it off. How dare you ask for a favor from your boss's boss? Shrimp, scampi, angel head noodles, white wine sauce. and the Ross, reload the Nina Ross. Settle metal when I'm focused on the green Donetto. Hocus Pocus, Gucci loafers, cake with baking soda. Cake for soldiers move away from Maine to Nova Scotia. The bang revolvers, problem solvers, that pain to mothers. Lost the child clips from playing when they're here Nightmares, walking dead cause they sleep in you You either sheep or sheep, be scared to cut the Custom coops with the honey mustard features. Butterfly doors, a whore that makes wine or soapa.